this APTN Indigenous Day Live 2021. A concert event for National Indigenous Peoples Day. Indigenous Day Live is one of APTN's flagship broadcasts. This year, the challenges of staging the event while much of the country was still in lockdown has resulted in a multi-city remote production spanning stages in Calgary, Winnipeg, Toronto, Montreal and Dartmouth, Nova Scotia and featuring performers that range from icon Buffy St. Marie to Kitimat hip-hop artists Snotty Nose Res Kids. On this episode of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, we welcome executive producer Vanessa Lowen of Animicky C Digital to talk about bringing this year's event to life and the importance of connecting audiences. My name is Vanessa Lowen, and I'm a television producer based here in Winnipeg, Manitoba. I'm a Métis through my matrilineal line, through the Hallett and Pruden families of the Red River settlements, and I started my career in film and television as a teenager, actually, volunteering on various independent film productions around Winnipeg. And um, then I went to Vancouver and I attended school at Capilano, traveled around for a few years, then came back to Winnipeg and just started working in the general production industry here in Winnipeg. I started as a production coordinator on feature films. Then I became a primarily a researcher and production coordinator, but I really focused on being a researcher and sort of assistant to the director on a few documentary series. I'm working for Frantic Films and for Buffalo Gal and stuff like that. And then just slowly but surely sort of carved my own path as a filmmaker first and then as a producer and found my home running Animicky C Digital. So we're an in Indigenous owned and operated production company, and we produce things like Indigenous Day Live um, annually for APTN, and we also make other projects. We're about to start shooting on a um, supernatural series this fall out east, and um, I'm working. I'm in pre-development on a drama series with Tina Keeper out of Manitoba. We have lots of different things that we work on. I'd say that IDL is our flagship one of our flagship shows of more better known sort of properties because it happens annually and it's quite a big event and it has a, a national scope in terms of we always film in Winnipeg and then one other sister city across Canada. So let's start by talking about the history of Indigenous Day Live. APTN started this in 2007 but the event has really scaled up in recent years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. APTN started it in the Air Canada Park right outside of their doors um, in downtown Winnipeg. And it just started as a smaller celebration. And it it just really grew in popularity. I think it was probably a sign at the time that um, certainly our community was ready to be recognized on that national level and have a cause for celebration. I think it represented probably a bit of a new, a step in a new direction for the community. And slowly but surely, um, they saw opportunity to really grow it into having its permanent home at the Forks, and then really wanting to make sure that we can include other communities from across the country. So, you know, we traveled to Iqaluit one year, which was fantastic to get to go that far north and to have a live broadcast in conjunction with Winnipeg. We've been to Halifax this year. We were in Dartmouth. Obviously, this year was a different situation with COVID and that it wasn't a live event, but we still had that regional representation from our community, from our artists out east. And 
We've been to various Western cities. So yeah, it definitely has grown since 2007. I mean, the numbers, I believe they're around 10, 15,000 at the Forks every year. It's it's an amazing turnout um, in Winnipeg every year. Uh, So we're super proud of that. And it always draws a, a good crowd in the other cities as well. Of course, that's more of like a traveling stage. So we don't have that built in audience, but we we always get a good reception regardless. And yeah, that's kind of the evolution. Is this year's event fully virtual, essentially? Yeah, like virtual in the sense that we, so we weren't sure. Last year, I was actually on maternity leave this time last year, but the show, obviously COVID just kind of sidelined the whole show. So a a smaller, much smaller version was done, all shot remotely. And then we did something a little bit bigger later on in the summer to celebrate. And then this year we were really hope, holding out hope that we could, could just go back at least to a live stage in Winnipeg. And around February, it became clear that that just wasn't probably wasn't going to be possible. We were hoping to do Winnipeg and Halifax. And we knew that that it looked like it wasn't going to be possible. So then we we started to look at doing a version where we just could film indoors in Winnipeg on a closed set with no audience and limited crew in Winnipeg and Halifax. And the more that we really looked at that with sort of being at the end of the second wave and lots of talk about entering a third wave, we decided that also just wasn't going to work. It just wasn't going to work to fly multiple bands and crew across Canada to one of these two cities. It was too risky. So we decided to take the production to our artists. And that meant opening our scope a little bit from the two stages. We went to five, one in Calgary, Winnipeg, Montreal, Toronto, and Dartmouth, actually, specifically across the way from Halifax to an indoor site there. So that that allowed us to have artists from the region not be required to travel, get on planes, do extensive, you know, travel that might that people were certainly feeling nervous about. And also that public health wasn't was really discouraging. And we wanted to comply as much as possible with with all of the restrictions and regulations. So We ended up growing from two stages to five, which was a a lot more work for us in some ways, but I think ultimately paid off because it really kept people's health and wellness in mind. So we, in the end, ended up with 26 artists who performed spread out across those five stages. We were able to reduce our travel to just two senior crew members, and then our one host traveled, Earl from Northern Alberta. This year's event, was initially intended to mark both Manitoba's sesquicentennial and the 25th anniversary of National Indigenous Peoples Day. But given the recent events in Kamloops, has that changed the direction at all of the broadcast? The news about Kamloops was not released until after we had completed shooting. It was very fresh in the last couple of weeks as we were packaging the show. It did not shift our focus, certainly our hearts and minds, are grieving and are with um, everyone as we sort of process this terrible news. But in terms of IDL, it it didn't impact the show because it was simply already shot and, and basically delivered by the time it came out. I think in future, I mean, I am working on something for the fall that will include this 
recent news, but no, IDL doesn't. We do have a tribute to the um, Manitoba 150 in terms of the Métis people's role in the founding of the province. That was actually meant to be a celebration last year because it was actually last year was the 150, but because of COVID, we weren't able to do it. So it's a year late, but as are most things these days due to COVID, we have a tribute to the role that our Métis ancestors played in the founding of the province and the, the Métis nation. We do still have a celebration for the 25 years of the recognition of Indigenous Peoples Day. Given that a lot of places in Canada are just emerging from COVID restrictions, is there a special importance in connecting audiences this year for IDL? I mean, I think that the reason that we feel like it's so important, even last year, to, to try to do something to commemorate the day is is because you know, that this has been a trying time for everyone these last, what, 18 months almost, um, 15 months. And I think that we just, it's, it's really important that if we're able to produce content that can be somewhat joyful and at least have, make people feel connected, that we should continue to do that as television producers. You know, it's nice to give people a break from the monotony of isolation and the worry of health concerns around this pandemic. So, I mean, I think it was important to connect maybe in some ways more so this year because we just want people to feel like we're we're all in this together and we're all still trying to find ways to celebrate even if it's not the way that we're used to. As I'm sure you're aware, Bill C-10 updates the Broadcast Act to make provision for greater consideration for Indigenous culture and language. And with Anamiki C being one of the leading producers of that type of content. Have you been having discussions around this? And what are your expectations about the impact for production companies like yours? It doesn't really change much in terms of our outlook. I mean, we, we're we just going to continue doing what we've always tried to do and make sure that our voice is equally represented in the Canadian landscape. I mean, and, and we'll just continue on the path that we've been on. It's it's always a bit of a slog, but, you know, every step is a, is a positive step, so we're happy. Anamigi C also distributes content internationally. Is there an appetite for Canadian Indigenous content abroad? For sure. Over the years, we've had lots of partnerships with other Indigenous producers from other countries. I mean, we've done content exchanges with Sami people from Norway, with Taiwanese Indigenous people, we we work a lot with, there's an organization called the World Indigenous Television Broadcast Network, and we work a lot together to talk about our our struggles with getting our content, you know, out there. And when it's a, it's a great platform for us to sort of share ideas on this, you know, sort of journey that we're on as Indigenous producers and trying to get our voices heard in the forefront of society. So yeah, there's an appetite on that level in terms of Indigenous people sharing content and the interest from, you know, Australian people to see Canadian people that are, you know, Indigenous people living in Canada with Australian Indigenous people sharing content and views. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of of that. In terms of outside of our communities, there's always an appetite for content that's evergreen, you know, so we have a supernatural show coming up and our hope is that, you know, people in general enjoy supernatural shows. So the hope is that they'll enjoy a supernatural show that has an indigenous spin on the sensibilities that we present and just how we approach it as opposed to other cultural groups might approach the idea of ghost hunting and stuff like that. I mean, that's just one example of a way that we 
make our content interesting on an international level. Is there a note you want to close on, Vanessa? I hope that everyone tunes in to watch the show next Sunday on APTN um, to watch Indigenous Day Live. It's a three and a half hour special that showcases, I mean, just a sampling of some of our fantastic talent from across the country. We're really thrilled that the Manitoba 150 tribute is is something that's that a lot of that myself and the other Métis producers on the show are so proud of and the tribute of course to Indigenous Day is something really special for people to see so I think in general we're just hoping that people tune in and and take an interest in what we have to share. Thanks so much for joining us Vanessa. Thank you for having me. Our thanks to Vanessa Lowen of Anamiki C Digital Production. You can find broadcast times for this year's Indigenous Day Live celebration on our podcast landing page at broadcastdialogue.com. For Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, I'm Connie Teeson. Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com.